praise the Lord. We're going to be uh, looking at Philippians. Um, these are both uh, texts comes from uh, the Apostle Paul's writings. And so uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at Philippians 2 and 5 first, and then we're going to look to Romans 12 and 2. If you'd like, go ahead and join me and stand for the word of the Lord and the God of the word. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians 2 and 5. Paul writes and he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Can we read that together in concert, audible voice? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 12. In verse 2. He writes to the church at Rome and the believers there, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your direction, and I pray that we will be able to share in this series something that will help. Lord, uh, tonight as we look at these two texts, I ask that you would help us to just uh, break the bread of your word together, and may it be transforming to our minds. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The title of our series next couple weeks, we're just going to call it In Your Right Mind. How many brought your mind to church? We trust you did. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about this uh, mental makeover. How many is ever after hearing someone's strange words or maybe you observed their bizarre actions, uh, we all no doubt have said it or at least thought something like, they must be out of their mind or they're out of their right mind. When people uh, are apparently not in their right mind, they can say and can do some really questionable things. On the other hand, someone in their right mind makes reasonable, rational decisions, logical, conventional, understandable decisions. So notice on your uh, study guide, the Bible has a lot to say about the state of mind of a believer. It informs us that the right mind for 
us believers is the mind of who? The mind of Christ. That's what our text in Philippians 2, 5 shares with us. Let, Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The word let means we do have some say in this matter. Right? Not being in our right mind, the mind of Christ, has a negative impact on our spiritual experience, while being in the right mind spiritually makes a positive impact and leads to a life of fruitfulness, a life of blessing. And uh, I believe, hey, newsflash, it's God's desire that we live in our right mind spiritually. Amen. A very important verse in the terms of practical mental application is the one we read uh, from Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed. That's one of the key words in this phrase, in this verse, by the renewing of your mind. Mental transformation or a mental makeover is a key point in much of the Apostle Paul's writings to the early church. And, you know, uh, I was thinking this week, to be honest, a, a common popular thing for us to do these days is, you know, we'll, we'll look in the mirror and we'll wish we were different in some various physical way. And that kind of prevalent, wishful thinking has produced what has now become known as a makeover culture. Right? I mean, lots of folks think uh, surgery is the answer. So all kinds of enhancement procedures. Uh, that's become a lucrative business, hasn't it? Um, there's lots of folks that think health and beauty products is the answer. I was reading recently a study conducted for a Groupon, and uh, it showed that the amount of money that uh, some, some ladies in our culture spend on their appearance, they said, could easily pay for four years of college tuition. Did you hear about that lady named Jane? She was from Beverly Hills. One day she had a heart attack and was taken to the hospital there and while there had a near-death experience and she saw the Lord and so she asked him, said, is my time on earth over? And he said, no, you, you have about another 30 plus years. So upon her recovery, she figured that since she had another 30 years, she might as well make the most of it. So she decided to stay in the hospital and have all kinds of implants and augmentations and facelift and liposuction. and Hello. She transitioned from, from a red to a blonde with some good old hair dye. But as she walked out of the hospital lobby after the last procedure, tragically was hit by an ambulance who was speeding in. 
So she arrives at heaven and stands before the Lord and says, I thought you said I had another 30 years. He said, Jane, is that you? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. That story's good for a little laugh, but we don't want to get our theology from it. Just, just making sure. This makeover culture has not just impacted our physical bodies, but our, our houses. Man, have you ever got to thinking how great it would be to have old brother Chip and sister Joanna Gaines? come and work their special magic around your house huh work that on your little piece of real estate wouldn't it be great man but in terms of ourselves we have to realize folks true lasting change does not come from external makeovers rather it comes from the internal mental makeovers, a transformation, Paul says, of the mind. True transformation comes with a change of mind, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about the next few, few Wednesdays, Lord Terry's. <clears throat> now, there's a lot of different ways that we can attempt to have our minds changed. thought it's interesting for example let's go back in history let's go back to the Spanish Inquisition during that time period they incorrectly thought that torture was a good way to change the human mind hmm? they actually thought physical torture was a successful way to battle heresy Well, they found out that stretching a person's limbs on a rack only brought external conformity through suffering. And that was about it. No real change of mind. Right? Also, during the Korean War, they used the techniques of brainwashing. They would break you down and get you physically weary and weak from lack of food, lack of sleep, and they'd come in and wake their prisoners of wars up, war up in the middle of the night and be aggressive and mean until you were psychologically broken down. Then they would bring in a really nice guy who'd put his arm around you and speak friendly things to you and say, look, why don't you become a communist? Because it really is a better way. Hello. See, those techniques were developed by the Russian communists back in, the, I think, 1930s, and, and they actually thought they were effective. But, folks, that's not the kind of mental transformation or change of mind that we're looking at when we study the Word of God. Romans 12, 2 shows us <clears throat> that the greatest battleground of the Christian life is where? In our minds. In our minds. 
few years ago, our family visited the uh, Gettysburg battlefield there in uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, several of you have probably been there. And you'd agree, it's, it's rich with all kinds of monuments and a lot of history. President Lincoln's famous speech, the Gettysburg Address, was delivered on that great battlefield. A battlefield of struggle, a battlefield of significance for us as a nation. But I'm not thinking as significant as that Gettysburg battlefield was, there's no battlefield as significant and vital as the one right up here in the human mind. Our mind is where the battle for true life change is really waged and fought. Thankfully, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every what? Thought. Everybody say thought. thought. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the weapons of God are mighty to the transforming of the human mind. That is how we're going to see our lives truly change. That's exactly what Romans 12, I believe, is talking about. So let's uh, get, uh, where are we at? Roman numeral one on your study guide. A brief history of the mind. Now, I think it would be beneficial for us to look at a brief history because it all started a long time ago at creation. God created man in his image, male and female. And from the very beginning, God created the human mind, I believe, as the greatest, most complex physical creation ever. We know from Psalm 139, 14, David the psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is especially true of the human mind. Science tells us that our brain has 100 billion neurons or nerve cells. How many? 100 billion. Now you're thinking, what does that even compare to or mean? Well, as a, a point of comparison, they tell us that the Amazon rainforest has exactly 100 billion trees in it. And it is... 2,586,884 square miles of trees. But we have that many nerve cells between our temples. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? They said each nerve cell or neuron has as many interconnections as there are leaves on those average trees. It's kind of mind-boggling. So, so the human brain, how many would agree, 
the most complex physical thing God ever created. It is the center of memory, the center of mood, instinct, will, emotion, decision, the center of all physical functions. It is also the seat of individuality and the seat of our personal history. We train our brain through every experience we go through in life. Everything we go through creates a memory, and those memories have a lifelong influence on us. And habits can form as a result of them. The power of interpretation is centered here in the brain so that sight and sound and touch and smell and taste constantly feed our mind tons of information. The human brain was created with this, this Godward focus to enjoy God, to know God, and to know His glory. So, wow, isn't the human brain amazing? But the bad news is the brain did not stay pristine or essentially good because the brain fell when man fell. Right? So, uh, what is that, letter A on your study guide? Let's talk about the fallen mind. The fallen mind is in a state of darkness and corruption. This is seen in Romans chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul gives us a description of the fallen state of the human mind. And he says in verse 21, he says, When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. That means vain in their thinking. That means their thinking actually became Useless. Isn't that terrible to have such a creation like the brain, but it be useless? Paul says it was wasted. Their thinking became wasted. Their, their thinking became darkened. And, and he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. That is the fall of the human mind into sin. The human mind leads the life of a person. Therefore, a corrupt, darkened mind leads to a corrupt, darkened lifestyle. This is made clear in Ephesians 4.17. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Paul says because of spiritual ignorance, we were separated from the kind of life that God wants us to live. There's an 
intimate connection between the way we think and the way we live. Notice that on your study guide. So Paul says we're not to live like those people whose darkened minds and darkened understandings have led to darkened lifestyles. He says a corrupt life comes from a corrupt mind and a corrupt pattern of thinking. And as a result of sin, the natural mind in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, is actually hostile to God. It does not submit to his law, nor can it. Those characterized by a fleshly hostile mind cannot please God, Paul says. It is impossible. And, and so it also says that those who are characterized by mind, uh, by a mind separated from the life of God cannot even understand or begin to comprehend spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it's verse 14 says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually, what? Discerned. Everybody say discerned. And so this beautiful gift and creation of God, the human mind, we know was corrupted as a result of the fall, result of Adam's sin. And that's where we begin with the gospel. We start with a fallen, darkened, corrupted mind. And now we thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us in that stage. Praise God. Isn't that good news? God doesn't leave our corrupted minds corrupted. Rather, he has offered, let her be on your study guide, the regenerated mind. Now, to regenerate means to make like new again. That's what God can do and has done if you're a believer in here tonight. God does another work of creation, which is to regenerate our minds. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is especially true of the mind. It's true in the mind because we start thinking differently. At the very beginning of the Christian life, the Spirit of God moves over our darkened, hardened, spiritually dead mind and creates something new that was not there before. Well, what is that new that's not, that wasn't there before? It is an appreciation or a value of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the way Paul put it. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. And there you can put minds in there, 